Welcome to Zap Girl and the Podcast, the podcast about all things life living, life saving, and life giving. I'm your host, Carrie Romero, and this is episode six, part two. So if you have not heard part one, stop right now and go back and listen to that one because you're not going to want to miss all the great things that our guest today, Paul Wiley, had to share with us in that episode. He is the 1992 men's figure skating Olympic silver medalist, and he has shared so far his journey of what his time looked like in the Olympics and then when his life kind of took a turn with his health. He's going to share the techniques that he used and give you insight on what he did to overcome his circumstances. Enjoy. Zap girl, I felt a blast girl. Zap girl, oh it was fast girl. Zap girl, and in a flash girl. Zap girl, I was back girl. Zap girl, you shocked my whole wide world with a zap girl. Zap girl, zap girl. We're continuing our conversation today with Paul Wiley. And from our previous episode, you had started to tell us about the, we'll call it extra heart stuff that you have encountered that you were told you have something additional wrong with your heart. Yes. But before we do that, I just wanted to go back for a quick few minutes and talk to you about when you were in the hospital and you're, well, you've now been told okay, you have to have this device in your chest and you can't take it out ever. You're stuck with it for the rest of your life. And then, like you said, you went through a little bit of anger. So when you're trying to visualize your new normal or your recovery, did you refer back to your training that you went through for the Olympics? Yes. I mean, absolutely. And I think that, you know, you have to put yourself in a grateful frame of mind. And I mean, it, it's sort of, I, I'm sure most people listening to this, are, you better be grateful. I mean, look, your life was completely saved. Now you have this paramedic in your chest and you're, you know, because of technology, you're able to live a normal life in 99.9% of the ways. And so who are you to be angry about anything? And I think that that's the part, you know, that it, it, it sometimes it's not rational, Okay. But nevertheless, you go through these emotions. And I think that, um, having, uh, having maybe dealt with disappointment and those kinds of things, it did help me to, you know, because you, you've already learned a tool of how to reframe a situation, how to remind yourself of what you have and what you, and, and, you know, so you compare that with gratitude as opposed to what you don't have. And, um, so, you know, to see that, uh, the, the, the incredible positives in it. And so I, I don't want to say I lived in anger for very long. I think the hardest part was not driving to be honest and my, and I, my livelihood dependent, but, but the neatest thing, the neatest thing that came out of that, um, was that I had to ask a lot of people for rides. This was before Uber, believe it or not. And so I had to rely on so many people and this dear gentleman who was the, who's the dad of one of our good friends in Charlotte offered many times to drive. And he lives 15 miles away from where we start. He offered to drive me to the rink many times. And, 
And it was such a neat thing. And I, you know, I think someday, you know, I'm, I'm pretty busy at this point, but someday when I am retired, I would love to do that for people. It was very encouraging. I think that as you, as you do get yourself back, part of it is that you want a miracle, you know, where everything is just going to be better than ever. You know, you're bionic now. And the truth is that you have a recovery to take care of. And then around you are people who have gone through the trauma of nearly losing their husband, their dad, their friend. And so there's the emotional aspect of it, which is, you know, everybody's just kind of, I mean, I think we're still feeling the reverberations in our family of it, you know, the gratefulness, but also the, oh my gosh, what, I mean, there's an insecurity that, that crops up that you, you know, I think that where your kids are or whatever, they, they're not sure of what's going to happen today because, you know, they have this recollection that one day they woke up and their dad, you know, had fallen in a workout and was in a hospital and who knew if he was going to live or not. Wow. Yeah. And, and your kids are old enough to remember that because it was just a few years ago. Yeah. Just four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. My situation with my family is that it's always been a part of their life. They only know me as uh, always having an ICD. All of my heart issues started in 1997. So I, I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of a pioneer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ICD had only been around for about 10 years when I got mine. I was told I had the best insurance policy against my own heart, kind of like you were told you have a paramedic in your chest. My electrophysiologist, Dr. Walter Clare, I always like to give him a little shout out. Um, he told me that there was an ice skater that had died suddenly during practice in 1995. Hmm. And he told me it was because of previously undiagnosed heart issues. Hmm. But he was referencing your friend, Sergei Grinkoff. And he said, you know, you're lucky to be here because we have detected some lethal rhythms in your heartbeat. Yeah. Wow. And I, I was 28 years old at the time, um, the same age as Sergei when he died. Who? sorry. Um, and so circle that. Here I meet you years later, and to hear you were actually there... And then knowing your survival story, yeah, we're all connected. We think of it that everything is so big, but it really is such a small world because of community or, or connection. And I think you and I can both agree that connection with others, um, giving that sense of community is vital to recovery, right? Oh, Absolutely. So what if our listener isn't surrounded by the traditional sense of community where it's, it's not a physical presence of other people? What encouragement can you offer to our listener, Paul, who is struggling with whatever challenge that's in front of them? How can they get back to life when they think that they don't have a community? Well, um, I think that a, a lot of it is 
about allowing yourself to be helped by others, because I think even though they may perceive that they don't have people in their circle, if they looked hard, they probably do. Um, but I think that it's usually if you're fiercely independent and you kind of push people away. And I think that you have to resist that temptation when you have the need of some support in this way. Uh, but I, 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 there are there are lots of online ways of connecting with people, you know, where people have support groups and they can talk about, you know, a lot of people experience depression after after these uh, incidents. And so they need they need that. Um, we have so many friends through our church and, um, you know, and people that we've known for a long time, my friends from skating uh, you know, it's a it's a matter of you know who do you think you want around you know, and then can you invite them in? Can you? I, I think it's a little bit um, you have to have to uh, swallow your pride and say you know I need you right now. If you could be there, and there's not a person that would say no. I don't think so. At any rate, that's I think part of it is you know especially as guys. I think we're like, well, I could tough this out, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, no, I actually, I need a ride right. <laughs> to the rink. I want to do this and I can't go anywhere right now, you know? So. Paul, I, I agree with you. I mean, I feel like while it's really great and admirable to be strong or seen as resilient, it's also to, like you said, um, it's also to allow yourself to in your time of need to be helped by others. Yeah. Fantastic advice, my friend. So you've gone through this major upending of your whole life. You now live with a life-saving titanium box in your chest, but you decided you want to continue on the path of athleticism and you're still training and you're still coaching ice skating, which is absolutely amazing. I think you should be active as long as you can. Um, but do you ever have any fears about being shocked by your ICD? Well, I don't think about getting shocked. That's one thing. And I don't... We always say no shocks. <laughs> yeah. Right. No shocks. I, I, I have not been shocked, which is great. Um, but, you know, obviously anything can happen. I feel like I have a heightened awareness of you know, my intensity level. I, I feel like before I would go to 11, remember that spinal tap movie, you know, this one goes to 11. I would go to 11 all the time, you know, and, and it was just like, I didn't have a governor on what my activity level was. And, and I felt like that was a strength, you know? Um, and I think today I have a, a you know, a, yesterday I was out mountain biking and I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm just, just, I'm going to rest right now. Cause I feel, I feel out of breath and I think it was okay just to say, it's okay to rest. I don't have to, you know, be an Olympic athlete today, but uh, at some level, I think I'm very aware of what is going on with my, the load on my heart now, much more so than before. And, and, and I'm not saying let's plow through that and, and just get, 
let's get fit. Cause you know, obviously, you know, I got to break down this barrier. You know, you, you get that way where you're like, I'm, you know, invincible and you know, you're actually not invincible. <laughs> but I, I think one of the things that was really amazing that Kate did for me was after, so we had these shows that we skated in as a family. Um, and so they were started by Christy Yamaguchi and her family and a sponsor that said, Hey, wouldn't it be fun if you, if you got all the skaters together who had families and did a show where they did a number together. And so we did, I don't know, we probably did it five different times. So she said, you know, Paul, if you're ever going to skate in a show, you need to skate this year. And that was after the sudden cardiac arrest. And I was like, Oh, I just don't know. Okay. This and that. And, and I, and I, and I got myself ready and I got myself doing my double axle, which, you know, um, I was proud of and I did the show and it was, it was amazing, you know, to, because I think there's something about skating. I love skating. You know, I love the feel of the wind in my hair. I love the like, interpreting the music and, and I'm sort of more myself there than I am maybe other places. And so it was the ability to get back to, you know, that person and, and not, you know, not never do that again, you know? And so I was able to be, um, on the ice and, and, and that made me feel really, really great. And so, and I, I just have always wanted to be active and I, I think I need it, you know? So you know, I tried to mountain bike or yesterday I was out kayaking. I tried to run or do something to get my heart rate going so that I can eat the ice cream, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It really. I love ice cream, too. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, and so you're you're giving yourself permission to move forward. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so you're you're getting back to a new normal with your ICD. And you started to talk about this at the end of our previous episode, but I wanted to kind of circle back to that. Your doctors had found another heart issue. Right. What happened? Well, yes. And so they did the catheterization after, um, you know, to see what was in there. And they, um, right after I, um, in, in, in April of 2015, after, you know, as I was sort of getting the ICD and all of that, and they, they go and they check you out and they noticed that I was really, I didn't have a lot of blockage at all. It was mostly this electrical glitch, which caused the, um, my heart to go out of rhythm. And so that's why they gave me the pacemaker and defibrillator. Um, and so, but they said, you do have a bicuspid aortic valve. And, and, you know, I didn't think anything of it. Oh, great. You know, bicuspid aortic. And so evidently everybody else, <laughs> except for, you know, 1% of the population has an aortic valve that looks like the Mercedes Benz symbol. It's tricuspid. Okay. But mine is bicuspid. And um, so they said, you know, in your fifties, you know, you, you might wind up with aortic stenosis due to that. But right now it's not that, it's not that bad. Well, so can I interrupt for a second? What, yes. What is aortic stenosis? Yes. So aortic stenosis is when that aortic valve gets cr like crust around it. 
the the blood as it comes out of the aorta, instead of being neat and tidy, it gets a little spilled each time. And so it, it, and as it, over time, as it does that, you know, for many years there, it develops this little crusty thing. And then it starts to adapt um, based on, you know, what it has to do since it's spilling a little blood each time. Uh, And so at, at, at one point I was training for the, as I was training for the Medtronic 10 miler, as a matter of fact, um, I had felt this tightness in my chest. And so I went to my primary care physician and I said, I think this is bad. And he's like, you're right. It is. And he's like, I want you in doing a stress test tomorrow. And so we did a run, a stress test on a treadmill and he said, everything looks fine. Uh, and I said, well, I wasn't working out just so you know, I was going through the motions, but the, the protocol wasn't strong enough. And, um, he said, okay, well, what I want to do is I want you to go downtown and there's this one with a bike on it and we'll really make sure that you work out because if my, my heart rate tends to go pretty high. And, um, so anyway, we went, I went downtown and they did the they they were doing the ultrasound while I was riding the bike, and they're like, "Yep, there it is." Because a, a lot of times when people are on the treadmill, they can get off the treadmill, and your your heart recovers in the time it takes them to get the little machine out to put you on. If they make you step off and then they do the ultrasound, I was already recovering. Whereas this way they could see what was going on in real time. And they said, yep, there it is, the aortic stenosis. So it's just one of those things that becomes degenerative. And so, you know, within a, a year or two, you, you know, you'll start to feel it, your, um, your heart tail off. And in the old days, you would just grind to a halt, you know, but they had figured out how to replace that aortic valve. And so that's the miracle of science, right? And so then there was another recovery, you know, process. And and I think it was harder than coming back from the ICD. And I don't know whether, I don't know why, but um, maybe it was healing the, the open heart and, and all of that. But, um, you know, again, it came back to I'm walking to the end of the street now. I'm walking around the pond now. I'm walking a mile now. And I just was determined to, you know, just keep walking and get better. And I went back to my workouts. And again, I went back and skated a show. And I, there was this ritual that I had, had already been through. And, you know, for me, Carrie, I, I sort of buried the lead here. It's, it's all about getting to the ski slopes. <laughs> That's my very favorite thing to do. Right. Awesome. But at any rate, it's like, you know, what do you, what are you excited about doing athletically? And, and so I feel like that, um, that's been an amazing part of my second life, you know, is just to be able to, to do those things. And, and then also to tell people that you can live with these devices and come back and be an athlete. You know, you might not necessarily be winning an Olympic medal, <laughs> but, um, you know, you can get out there and feel good if, if, I mean, I think athletics makes me feel good. You know, I like the way it feels when I'm doing it, after I do it. And so, you know, I, I enjoy you know, getting out there and exercising. So, Same here, 100%. Uh, so, so I had the amazing experience of skiing with 
Christopher Reeve before he was injured. And I was able to be a part of a ski uh, race that benefited his foundation while he was still alive. And I remember him saying, you know what? If my finger moves, I'm going to move it. I'm going to exercise that finger, whatever I can do. And so he could move his little finger and he moved it as much as he could. And he tired himself out moving his little finger. And I will never forget that. And of course, you know, now he's gone, but um, he was uh, just such an inspiration at first, I did not want to do anything. You know, I'm in bed at the hospital and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm getting dizzy just standing up. And, but I insisted on just kind of moving as much as I could, even if it was a little uncomfortable. And it was. And so it was like, I just want to stand up. And then I would be like, I just want to use the walker and get to the door. Okay, phew, now I can go back. And then, you know, and then walking to the nurse's desk and then coming back and then walking around the nurse's desk. By the time I was out of that hospital, I was, I was walking, you know, and, um, and I think that's huge. It's just huge to take whatever small steps there are Oh yeah, and to move yourself, to challenge yourself. I think we need that as human beings. We need challenge because you're actually strengthening your own self so that you could be there for others. And, um, you know, I don't want to, to live in a victim state. I want to live so that I can, you know, give back to my family and to my job and other things that I'm here to do. And I need the energy. And so in order to get that energy, there's no other way than, you know, to get out there and, and do the work. Yeah. It's like you just said, you don't want to live in a victim state. Awesome stuff, dude. Um, so you have continued in your athletic career. You um, continue to be an athlete after you have gotten your implanted device. Now you've had your aortic valve changed out. And of course, you checked with your physician and your care team. Yes, absolutely. And for me, I didn't actually start doing anything active until after I got my ICD. Before, I didn't actively work out. I actually really hated to get sweaty, quite honestly. Um, So we ran together in that 10-mile race. You had said at that point, you had already been told by your doctors, okay, you're going to have your valve replaced soon. And that was just shortly before the race. I had no idea. And now knowing what I know, I mean, that's incredible that you got out there and you didn't give up. But I just want to reiterate again, you were working with your doctors. They knew what was going on. After I got my device, I kind of went into a psychological coma thinking life was over for me at 28 years old. And eight years later, I met my husband, Gus. And after we married in 2006, I wanted to better myself. And he encouraged me and suggested that I try running. And I was totally fearful, but I tried it. And I kind of like what you did with your recoveries, Paul, I did with running. I would set small, realistic goals of running to the stop sign or down the street for 30 seconds and see how I felt. And gradually, I got longer, you know, got to go longer distances. Yeah, I think yeah, absolutely. And to be able to push yourself a little, 
<laughs> and and be like, wow, I don't feel that comfortable right now. This is a really long walk, but I'm just going to do this because I know that this is getting, it's going to help me get better. And obviously under the advisement of your physician, right? If it's, if they said, listen, you need to be down right now, then just lie down and rest. That's your job, you know? So for my listener that might not be able to move, like either play a sport or walk long distances, what is something that they can do to help them get out of the mindset of I'm stuck and, and these are these are just my circumstances? I, I guess my mom, you know, recovered from cancer and I had watched her go through that. And so, um, you know, I had really watched her determination in that. And so she was a real example to me that, um, you know, she, she just kept moving and kept getting up and, and doing stuff. She's like, I need this, you know, I, I need to get my blood flowing. And cause that's the way we get the essential nutrients and, you know, we regenerate and, and grow the good tissue by, getting the blood flowing and continuing to strengthen. And, you know, we are meant to be moving as much as we can. Yeah, it's really determination, no matter your situation or your circumstances. Determination is going to help you recover. It'll help you move forward. So what does your journey of movement look like these days? Well, I am, I'm doing a couple of different things. I work for Johnson and Johnson. Um, they have a company called the human performance Institute. And so I, I do speeches around the world about health and well-being um, and about challenging yourself. Um, that is a job that I actually had before any of this happened. And, and it's so interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about, the psychology around, you know, who you are, you know, and about who do you see yourself? What's your best self? You know, what, what is your ultimate mission in life? You know, where do you want to go? How, how have you been thwarted in the past? And, you know, what can you learn from that? And then how do you, you what kind of stories have you told? What old story did you tell, you know, to yourself that didn't really work, you know, Oh, I'm just the victim or, you know, what's a new story that you could tell yourself? You know, I could be an overcomer and I could actually take 35 days and make a turnaround uh, happen in my sport or in my life, you know? And um, so I, I've really enjoyed that work. Um, it's not 24 seven. I do my own, um, I do my own speeches as well. Uh, and I, sometimes I speak on, you know, on, on heart related issues. Sometimes I speak on all sorts of other things. Um, but, uh, and then I am also, I do coaching, I coach skating here and there, you know, so I, I enjoy being a coach. Um, I'm not really anybody's head coach, like a day to day, take them to the Olympics kind of person. I generally, um, do a week at a time in different places consulting. But so I, I feel like, you know, I, there's still another chapter that I'm trying to unfold right now and, you know, trying to discover what it is that's, you know, here for me to do right now. And I, I think that there's a lot uh, from this experience that I need to pass on. And so you're kind of working through what does that look like? How do you help people who are who are going through the things that I've gone through? Um 
in the present and, you know, being an encouragement to them. And you're still a husband and a father. So. Right. Well, there's that, you know, and I think, you know, they're, they're 11. Um, Emma will be, uh, uh, Caleb's uh, 11. Emma will be 13 tomorrow and um, Hannah's 15. Yeah. So they're, they're growing up um, so fast and I, and I don't want to miss that. And, 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 you know, I'm also responsible for Kate and for, you know, kind of like, how does, how do we develop as a family? How do we, how do I make sure that I encourage her to, you know, work on her strengths and, and those kinds of things. So that's fabulous. You know, we're so similar that we're wanting to do more with our extra life that we've been given for our life, for our families, for others. And we both want to be life to other people. I agree. Paul, thank you for joining us today, for sharing your heart, for for sharing your story and how the journey of life has unfolded for you so far and how the journey continues. I think it's so important to share your story. That's I'm talking to myself, to you, to our uh, my listener. And the sense of community that comes from that, that's that's part of it. It's opening yourself up, like you mentioned, and being vulnerable. And I thank you for the opportunity because otherwise I wouldn't have even thought about it. You know, I feel like my life is nose down, tail up so much that, you know, it's almost like you stop and forget. Oh, yeah, these things happen to me. I was just meeting with a friend yesterday that I've known for a long time and I didn't have my shirt on. And he said, oh, I, I, I didn't know that you had heart surgery. I mean, after the ICD, he knew that I had the ICD, but he didn't know that I had the open heart. And so I said, oh, yeah, you know, two years ago, I had to have a valve replacement. And so I generally forget about these things. So it's good. <laughs> Hilarious, Paul. I mean, I understand it. Which is a blessing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. I think it's a good thing because yes. I think you're tapping into your inner superhero. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the part of the show where I ask my guests three questions. And so Paul Wiley... What is your superhero name? Well, I have really struggled with this, but... um, Oh, no. Why is that? Because I really would like to use the heart aspect of it, because I think that the heart is such an important, you know, in history, you know, we've we've thought of the heart as the center of the emotions, but it's also the center of, you know, all of the, the blood flow and, you know, this incredible, you know, circulatory respiratory system that we have. There's a group called Iron Heart on the web. So I don't want to steal that, but there's something around that. And I haven't figured out the right one yet. Maybe, maybe your listeners can help me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you're stealing. But so uh, listener, Paul needs your help. He needs a superhero nickname. Maybe maybe we could just call it Iron Heart and apologies there to the go. group there. But I, I thought of this. Oh, that's for Dave Watkins at Iron Heart Foundation. Right. He started this fantastic resource for anyone affected by heart disease. And I'll be sure to put their link in the show notes. But I'm pretty sure Dave would be okay. Okay. All right. So we'll call we'll call me Iron Heart. There you go. Perfect. So Iron Heart. My next question is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I think that the most amazing superpower would be 
to sense, you know, have like a sense of what somebody, you know, how to heal them and then to go to them and literally put your hand on their, their shoulder. I, I mean, I can tell you that Sergei Grinkov was lying on the ice and I laid my hand on his skate and I was praying for him to be healed. And I was unable to see that happen. But so, and and I'm talking not just like physical healing, but I would like that superpower of the emotional healing too. So many people are, they're reliving nightmares of things that have happened to them. And to be able to know how to handle that and to just be able to, you know, make that go away. I think that would be an amazing superpower. Just, you know, the stuff that's happened recently and that, that people have survived, you know, and they're, they are the walking wounded. And I mean, I think that it's, you know, we're talking about physical ailments and, and it's amazing to have these devices that enable us to have a second life. But a lot of people are just struggling getting through their day emotionally. And so to be able to sense what they need and to, you know, lay a hand on it and say, you know what? you're going to be okay. And then they feel that. that. That would be an amazing superpower. That would be beyond amazing, in my opinion. I just You could help so many people. I couldn't think of a more perfectly suited superpower for you, Paul. That's that's a that's perfect. I mean, I would like to also be able to fly <laughs> or bounce. I was thinking that it would be really fun oh to have not Tigger bounce, but like big <laughs> bounces, you know, where you could bounce from here to there. I yeah. thought that would be really cool. <laughs> that would be so awesome as long as you didn't have skates on. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So my last question is what advice would you give your younger self? I would say that to let go of the things that have been, you know, that have torn you down in the past easier to, to be able to imagine, to use your imagination to kind of take scissors and try to pull yourself away from the entanglements of things that have, uh, you know, just, just torn you down, whether it's, you know, people who said things that have been hurtful or, you know, just to be able to free yourself to be, you know, to be looking at the blue skies. Now I'm not saying that, you know, you're just living in pie in the sky, but I think we so often constrain ourselves to, you know, almost negative thinking or, you know, sort of troubleshooting, thinking about what could go wrong. That's the way I'm wired. You know, I'm always thinking about, okay, I don't, I want to avoid that mistake and that mistake instead of thinking, wow, you know, this is what's really possible. And so I would say, do that more, you know, think about what's really possible. What, what, what hasn't been done before by me or other people and dream maybe more, but think about what is in the blue sky that we want and then aim for it. Oh man. The, the imagining of what you just said with imagine yourself with scissors, cutting away the entanglements of things that have torn you down. That's, that's fantastic advice, Paul. Thank you very much for joining me 
And it's just, it's been such a great conversation. Some last. Well, Carrie, I, I think I am impressed with what you, what you do and the way that this podcast has developed. And it, you know, you are just such an awesome advocate and I loved meeting you in Minnesota and I, and I really treasure your presence in all of this because you, you do bring a sense of calm and, uh, you know, and just, you know, possibility to folks from all over that, you know, this isn't, this is, a, you know, we have this opportunity for a second life. So, you know, thanks for all that you do. too. Wow. <laughs> Paul, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow, I really, really appreciate those kind and very generous words. And thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing with our listener your story, your encouragement, the positive light to all who meet you and know you. Well, thank you. Thanks, Carrie. I so enjoyed my conversation with Paul Wiley. To get insight from an Olympic athlete on the techniques that he has used personally to succeed and win an Olympic medal, and then to go on to use those same techniques in navigating his own health journey and recovery so that he can continue living. And then he has the desire to share that information with us in hopes that that would bring encouragement to you wherever you're at and whatever you're facing. If you're enjoying what you hear on Zap Girl and the podcast, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. My desire is that this podcast is a source of encouragement for you. Also, if you have an idea of what you would like to hear on the show, just send me a note. Go to IamZapGirl.com for more information. And if you'd like to reach out to Paul, you can find him on Instagram at GoWiley, G-O-W-Y-L-I-E. And he's still looking for a superhero name, so send that to him through Instagram. I'll have a link in the show notes where you can check out his Olympic medal winning performance. And I would love it if you joined me again for another episode of Zap Girl in the podcast. Thanks. Zap girl, zap girl, zap girl.